GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ, and I am joined by one of the men who I would go on a murderous rampage with. Uh, only to get eaten by vampires. Hovercraft Joe. <laughs> don't don't like that. I, I don't. No. Don't don't, how do you, don't like that intro. How do you feel about feet? Because I feel like between the two of us, you'd be the foot. You'd be the foot guy. <laughs> okay. First of all, no. I mean, I know you're <laughs> definitely not, but I'm not a foot guy. So let's. I don't want to put that out into the the air, the atmosphere, or whatever. Like, I'm not a foot guy. That the the we'll get to it, but the the foot stuff in this movie is is kind of kind of gross. Okay, so what you're saying is people should send you foot pictures on Discord. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I will quit the Discord if people start sending me <laughs> foot pictures. Just to clarify, so. Uh, all right. Well, moving on. Uh, we are joined by by a uh, friend of the podcast, very special returning guest. Uh, the Harvey Keitel to our George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino. AJ's here. Man, th- that one. Thanks for having me. And two, thanks for the comparison. It's super high praise. You know what? I Har- was um. Go ahead. I, I like. Uh, I was thinking about how like Harvey. I feel like he's always seemed like an older dude to me. Like I feel like when I've been watching Harvey in his films, he's always been a little bit older, but he still seems so like suave and so cool. Oh There's yeah. There's something about like his like masculinity factor and like coolness factor. And it's like that diner scene in Reservoir Dogs. And he says uh, something along the lines of like, you shoot me in a dream, you better wake up and apologize. And I feel uh-huh. like just that in itself is like, he just has the coolness factor. Like when I watched like Sin City with Clive Owen in the theater back in the day, you know, and he would like his Dwight and he had like the red, I don't know if they were Chucks or Vans, uh-huh. but just like that touch and it was yeah. just the coolness factor. I feel like Clive was that for a certain part of my life. And then when I discovered like Tarantino stuff, Harvey was like that guy, you know, it's like the older, more refined taste for the coolness factor. I feel like Harvey plays that. So I appreciate that. That's high praise, man. I appreciate that comparison. It means a lot. <laughs> no problem. You know, I will say this right off the bat. I don't know that I've ever seen Harvey Keitel in a bad mood. Like I've never seen a bad Harvey Keitel. Like he's always great in every single movie that I've seen him in. Yeah. So, sounds like a challenge for someone to send you a uh, bad Harvey, Keitel, Harvey Keitel movie. I doesn't exist. Does well, not exist. You know, it anyways, does exist. Feet pictures for hovercraft. Joe. Oh boy. Okay. Well, before <laughs> before we get too far down the rabbit hole on this, we should say we are in October now, and you, you know we always often like to try and do some more action themed horrorish movies for October. So today, if you haven't guessed it already, we are talking about From Dusk Till Dawn, the uh, nineteen ninety six Robert Rodriguez Quentin Tarantino. Epic? Uh, I don't like mm. epic. Let's take epic out of it. Um, so let's let's go through the numbers. Uh, this movie was released on January nineteenth, nineteen ninety six, which doesn't seem like a January movie to me at all. Like that's that, no. I, I would... And this movie feels older than that too, for some reason. Feels older than nineteen ninety six. Yeah, like I, I feel like this is like prime 
like early nineties, but it's not. I know it's absolutely not. Yeah, but it well, just I, felt prime early nineties to me. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'll see, but. but. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I was about to talk about kind of like our backgrounds and, and kind of kind of intros into it. For some reason, I was stumbling with my words. I was going to say that I it's been a long time since I've seen this. Like, I remember seeing it not in theaters when it came out, but like, I feel like this is something we probably watched in your basement, uh, LPJ. Um, and I definitely remember seeing it maybe one I, I, one time after that. But it, it, it's been a long time since I sat down and watched the whole thing and I, and it's definitely, I mean, we'll get into it more, but definitely not the movie I remember it being, I guess. Um, Cause I think, and maybe this is the case as ever. And you remember like one part of it, but you don't forget that that's not really the longest part of the movie. And it takes a long time to get to that part. Yes. So, um, but anyways, uh, what about you, uh, AJ, any background with this movie? Yeah, I think um, you think about Quentin and you think about Robert. So if you think about Quentin Tarantino and you think about Robert Rodriguez, you know. And I feel like in my mind, I kind of bunch them together with like Kevin Smith is kind of being like the indie guys, you know. So the guys we think about that had like the smaller budget and like the project got picked up, whether it was like Desperado or is it El Mariachi? How do El you Mariachi, that? yeah, was first. El Mariachi. So my apologies. El Mariachi or uh, Reservoir Dogs. Realistically, though, Desperado is the same movie. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I, I kind of like in my mind, I grouped them kind of like in like a class together of like indie filmmaker that like made it, you know? So there's a lot of appreciation there for guys that had a dream and made it a reality. Right. I feel like you have to respect it. And I like Robert's stuff and I like Quentin's stuff. So I just feel like the intersection of the two of them here, you know, um, very enjoyable. And also I feel like they're just like kind of guys like us, you know, I feel like they're like nerdy dudes that like movies you know and especially we know they did like the the grindhouse thing right yeah so they can appreciate like the b movie thing and like the grittier thing you know movies that like you guys would watch and talk about that i would watch and want to talk about with you guys you know that other people might not care about i feel like they have the heart for it and so i feel like this movie like encapsulates a lot of that you know like they're just showing like they're nerds like us they're passionate about movies like us and it just seems like everybody on the set would have had a blast making this you know and then you come into like the Tom Savini aspect and the like practical effects and stuff. So that's a different conversation probably later in the cast, you know. But Toulon didn't read. Um, really enjoyed the movie. Was very nice to revisit it and appreciate Quentin and appreciate Robert. Had you? I assume you'd seen this before. For sure, a few times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I rented this movie. So I, I rented this first. I rented El Mariachi and Desperado. Like right after Pulp Fiction came out, I'm like. Okay, well, you know, obviously this came out a little bit later, so I was kind of fascinated with the whole, the whole Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez thing. And then this, so I rented El Mariachi, I ended up running Desperado, I ended up eventually running this, and I got through maybe 30 minutes of the movie, and and I turned it off <laughs> the first time I watched it. I'm like, this is not at all what I thought this movie was going to be. Um, and I didn't particularly enjoy it a whole lot and then eventually i went back and watched the whole thing and and realized there were vampires in it Uh, but for the longest time i didn't realize there were um and so this is probably only the second time i've seen it all the way through Mm -hmm. um and uh i was gonna make another point and now i lost it 
I mean, uh, I, 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 I guess know. it's not hard to forget the vampires in this movie since it's like an hour and 48 minute movie and they don't get to the bar until an hour into it. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and that was the thing. And it's probably another 10 or 15 minutes before the vampires show up. So. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing. Like the the the, the, the first the time I the first time I watched all the way through, like it, I was, I was thinking it was going to be a very Quentin Tarantino e movie, and then it turns into this like horror movie at the end. It took me totally off guard. Like I had it blindsided me completely. I had no idea because I hadn't really you know the internet wasn't out then. I just heard yeah. people liked this movie, and so I rented it and watched it. Well, and I think what I I don't know if I'm going to say what I appreciated, but what I noticed more. Knowing going into it, watching this time, that's like, oh, this is a movie that Quentin Tarantino wrote. Yeah. Like, and it, the first hour leading up to it very much seems like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Like, it, it, it is kind of that weird mashup where it seems like it's like, oh, it's this like typical movie you could picture Quentin Tarantino writing, like, smashed with into like this weird B movie vampire thing for the last half hour of it. So it's, yeah. it's kind of, jarring in a way i guess um and, and whether or not it works completely well i'll get into that more later yeah it's very you know like the first half of the movie is very quentin tarantino and the last half of the movie is very robert rodriguez like for whatever reason i think of the last half of the movie as being kind of quintessential robert rodriguez style um and, you know, and I will say this, one of the things I really did appreciate was the practical effects and that the movie was essentially written to showcase KNB effects. So Greg Nicotero's group, his effects house, which was the same effects house that worked on like the Evil Dead movies. So it was crazy because like you'd see the it was very funny to see like the vampires in this looked very similar to like the Deadites. In, oh, yeah. Uh, like. Like the the when they would get their like vampire yeah. faces, they looked very much like Deadites. Yeah. That whole that style it's very it's a very specific style that Greg Nicotero and um and uh, and his group does, and it and it and you can see it in in all of their work. Um. Yeah. No. And that that is it, 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 it. You're right. And I guess I didn't even really make that connection until you're saying it now. But like now, thinking about how they look, it's like. Oh yeah, that's a hundred percent like their style. I mean, more so. I, I well, I guess even when they're like full vampire forms, yeah. even even well, so, like. And there's it, parts of this movie that's shot like Sam Raimi shot it. Well, that's true, and I will say that like that that whole the whole like bar action sequence to me, it's like it, it's kind of this weird mashup because to me, it's like it's shot like you picture like an action sequence in like Desperado or something sure. like Robert Rodriguez, but all like the actual like gore and stuff like that did remind him of like an evil dead movie so it's like that's another kind of like weird <laughs> mashup like just the the whole like practical effects and the way that they're killing the vampires and stuff like that so yeah no i agree. um uh but let's uh run through the rest of the numbers on this so uh this movie had a budget of 19 million dollars uh, uh domestic gross was 25 and a worldwide gross of 59 million so uh, made a lot of money. I think it spawned a lot of like straight to video sequels and stuff, right? Yeah, two of them. At, at least two. Yeah, yeah and and they're actually pre, they were prequels, actually. And, and a they were TV. like oh three, like early two thousands. I think so. And it and a TV series. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was one of the first TV series on the El Rey Network, which was created and owned by uh, Rod Rodriguez. Ah, okay. Uh, so Rotten Tomatoes on this is sixty two percent. 
and an audience score of 76%. So. That seems right to me. That seems yeah. right in the proper wheelhouse. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that the Rotten Tomatoes is 62. I mean, I guess maybe not. That's not that high, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so top grossing movies of 1996. Uh, we have uh, Independence Day, Twister, and Mission Impossible. So this is like, I remember seeing all those movies in the theater. That's a, oh, yeah. a, a big a big year. Uh, this movie, From Dust Till Dawn, came in 61st for the year. Now, this, the other movies we have covered, it's a very interesting, kind of, it's not a ton, but it's interesting one. So we've covered number seven, The Rock. Number 20, Broken Arrow. Number 51, Rumble in the Bronx. And number 63, Escape from L.A. <laughs> God, I that is a summer then that I, that is a year I absolutely remember pretty vividly. Yeah, I mean, all those movies, I mean, like, The Rock, Mission Impossible, Twister, Independence Day would have 100% all been things to see in the theater. So yeah. we saw in the theater. So. And we definitely saw um, Rumble in the Bronx in the theater. That's true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did because we got kicked out of uh, – we weren't allowed to see it at the, the terrace. They wouldn't sell yeah. us a ticket. Yeah, go back go back and listen to our Rumble in the Bronx episode. It's a good one. Yeah. An early but a good one. Um, okay, can I, so – Can I get two questions in? Sure. Absolutely. Escape from L.A., how's it compared to Escape from New York? Escape from New York is way better. Yeah, okay. 100%. Yeah. Uh, way, way okay. better. Okay. And then The Rock, overrated, underrated, where it should be? Rock's great. Rock is good. Rock is really good. Like I, I, I like the Rock. I, I think, think it's, the, I think the it's Rock right is, where it should be. Yeah, it's probably the best Michael Bay film. Okay. Yeah, and I think it's probably the best of like the like Nicolas Cage like action movies too. Yeah, like, I'd say so. I mean, it's not a perfect movie by any means, but no, but it's great. It, it's it's definitely enjoyable. Yeah, it's it's one to check out if you haven't seen. We also did an episode on that. If you want to check that episode out, uh, I think that was the famous episode that we thought we deleted after recording. That is. <laughs> uh, luckily, it did not get deleted, and you can still go back and listen to it. It's um, okay. So the cast of this movie, uh, we talked about it a little bit. Um. Now you got George Clooney as Seth Gecko and Quentin Tarantino as Richard Gecko. Uh, Harvey Geitel as Jacob Fuller. Uh, Juliette Lewis as Kate Fuller. Selma Hayek as someone, the name that I'm not going to try and pronounce. Um, Santanico. Okay, thank you. Uh, Cheech Marin, I feel like, plays three characters. In he this does. Movie? He plays three characters. Which yeah. he, he plays three characters, although one of them was supposed to be Eric Estrada, and he dropped out at the last minute. Oh, yeah, the guy, I saw that, the guy at the end, like, the yep. contact. Um, and then, like, Danny Trejo's in it. Uh, we, we talked about Tom Savini in it playing Sex Machine. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then Fred Williamson, who I love in this, is Frost. Um, anybody else you guys want to mention that I didn't talk about? Uh, John Saxon is a big actor. He was in um, uh, the Bruce Lee movie. Um, oh, God. Killing me. We just did it. We just covered it. Um. Yeah, it's the only Bruce Lee we we covered. Yeah. Um, they go to that island. Oh God! Why can't I think of the name now? They go to the island. We're gonna get so much hate guys. mail. They fight a bunch of guys on the island. Yeah. Anyway, enter the dragon. Enter the dragon. Enter the dragon. Enter the dragon. Right. Yeah. Um. Kelly Preston makes a kind of a guest appearance. Um. John Can I Hawks. Get on a high horse for someone. What's it? Can I get on a high horse for someone? Sure. Sure. Or a soapbox? Mike, Michael Parks. Oh, yeah. The Texas Ranger at the beginning? 
Yeah, and and it's sweet because like, oh, I feel like a dummy. Planet Terror. Yeah, like the same character, right? He like is Earl the same McGraw, character. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, Kill Bill, like the first yeah. one when yep. they like go, yeah, like to the church where it all went down. Like yeah. same dude, you know, mm-hmm. and also yep. like Kill Bill, Volume Two. And I think, like, you see in that, too, you see him as Irma Graw, but then later in the film, when the bride, and I think he's, like, he runs, like, a brothel or something along those lines, and he has, like, an exotic name. I can't remember it. I'm, like, Esteban, you know? And it's, like, she's trying to find out where Bill is. Like, same character. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say that. Di- like, totally different character, but, like, same dude. Yeah. And I feel like that, like, blew my mind when I realized that was Michael <laughs> Parks and, like, both those roles in the yeah. same film, you know? And I feel like he's one of those guys you hear about being like an actor's actor, you know? Yeah. And like reading like Kevin Smith's book, like he was like gushing about him, you know, and Quentin too. So, uh, so yeah, that'll be my soapbox for someone that was in it. It was cool to see Michael Parks and uh, rest in peace to a legend. Yep. So chronologically then, this movie takes place after Kill Bill and um, what was Planetary? the other movie? Planetary. Yeah, Planetary. Planetary. Yeah. I guess it's supposed to technically. That's he's what I would same. deduce because he passes away. Right. Yeah. If he's the same character, he don't he don't make it out of this one. No. So, um... uh, and then uh, John Hawks is in this too. John oh, yeah. Hawks is uh, Saul from Deadwood. If you ever watched Deadwood, I did not watch Deadwood. He's but... great in it. Deadwood's fantastic. Okay. Yep. I... All right. Cool. And then right. you know, and then I guess Rob Rodriguez makes a guest appearance. He's part of the band. Yeah, that's right. I have I there, I have a big. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask it now. But when we get to it, I have a gigantic question regarding the band that I feel like no one's gonna have an answer for me. But I'm gonna save it for when we get to it. You're probably um, right. Okay, so let's let's do some net worth. Everyone loves talking about net worth, and let's start with Juliet Lewis. LPJ, what do you think for Juliet Lewis? She's got that uh, California money. No, is she in California. She's, She's in Natural Born nat- Killers. Natural Born Killers money. I think she is in California. I think she's in California K, also. With a K, by the way. That's right. Uh, I'm going to say $15 million. Okay. What do you think, AJ? Well, to be candid, Juliette Lewis, I know of you from this, and I know of you from Cape Fear, and I feel like you're like a very similar age, and you're like a younger girl in the film that has like an older gentleman that's interested in you. So like similar dynamics. And I feel like in my mind, those are the only two roles I knew. And then I pulled her up on Letterboxd and she, I think Letterboxd had her in like 75 or like 80 films. Oh yeah. So like Juliet Lewis, like I apologize that I was not as aware. <laughs> well, she, she is a listener too. So she's a listener. So it's a good thing. You're yeah, apologizing. Like, Ju- Ju- Juliet Lewis, I apologize. I didn't know. <laughs> so like respect for the career, but also to be candid, like I don't think I would have a good gauge um, but I think definitely like it's probably more than I would expect because obviously her career has been more. What am I looking for? I can't think of a robust. word. Robust. Robust. I like that word. I appreciate that. <laughs> more robust than I expected. So I'll like bump it up a little. So I'll go twenty-five. Uh, Ten million dollars. <laughs> Your faith was clearly rewarded. <laughs> uh, okay. Next up, we talked about him a lot already. Harvey Keitel. What do you think, AJ, for Harvey Keitel? Man, Harvey, like, you're the dude. Harvey, you're another one. And, like, you pull the guy up on Letterboxd, and it's, like, 200-plus movies. Like, dude's been a ton of stuff, been working forever, has connections with, like, Scorsese Wright and with Robert and with Quentin. So, like, he's got the connects. How much is he getting paid? How well has he saved it? <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll say a clean 100. Hopefully I'm not lowballing our guy. I'll say a clean 100. Okay. What do you I, think? I'm uh, going to say 50. 
Boom, 50 million right on the button, LPJ. Way to go. Super fan. Nice. Uh, next up, uh, Selma Hayek. What do you think for Selma Hayek, uh, LPJ? She's got that sweet, sweet dogma money. Uh, I love that this is like her her second big film that she did. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with she's got that uh, faculty money too. Um, <laughs> you like, do you like why, that one? Why haven't we done the faculty on this I podcast? I don't. Know. I have a I have a weird obsession with that movie. You do a weird the, obsession. With the that. faculty's super underrated. It's it, super underappreciated. It is really good. It's super good. That's Robert Rodriguez, right? Yeah, that's Robert Rodriguez. A gazillion percent, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, man, shoot. Okay, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to uh, sidetrack you. So what do you think for... Uh, I'm going to say I'm gonna say 50 million for her also, because she does a lot of stuff. Okay, uh, what do you think, AJ? I feel like in, like, Selma, I apologize if this is getting too personal. I think she's married to, like, a millionaire or a billionaire. I think I heard that about her. So I don't know if that would reflect, like, her net worth personally. So I feel like in my mind that would, like, skew it. But let's think about her like as an actress and like her body of work. Um, what'd you say, LPJ? Can you remember? Fifty. Me? You were going fifty. Harvey, I said a hundred, and I was double. Uh, Selma, I'll still be an optimist, <laughs> and I'll take the relationship thing out of it. I'll say one twenty-five. Uh, closer, two hundred million for wow. uh, Selma Hayek. Hey, so. good for okay. her. Yeah, I Absolutely. think she. Had- I think she's the the first of uh, two uh, celebrities on this cast list that ha- have their or have had their own tequila brand. So, oh, that's um, right. So, uh, okay, so we got two more for you. We'll start with AJ on this one. Uh, Quentin Tarantino. What do you think for Quentin Tarantino? I feel like for as much of like a Quentin nerd that I am and Quentin apologist as I am, I should know this. I should have googled <laughs> a guy that I'm a fan of often enough to have a number off the top of my head, but I don't. I'll be honest. Um, five hundred. See, this okay. is this is tricky for me because I can picture him being like a Nicolas Cage and spending all his money on weird stuff. <laughs> um, but I can also picture him not spending all his money on weird stuff. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna say two fifty. A uh, hundred and twenty million for uh, Quentin Tarantino. Spent all his I money was- on weird stuff. <laughs> I was way too high. <laughs> yeah. Now I know. Um, okay. And then last but not least, uh, LPJ, we'll start with you for uh, George Clooney. What do you think for George Clooney? Well, he only got 250 grand for this movie. Um, so I'm going to say, let's see. Uh, I'll go 250 for him. Okay. I think. What do you think? I'm going to continue my trying to be in the optimist. I'm just going to lean into it now. You know, mm-hmm. overshooting, I'll just own the role. Yeah. Know my role, as The Rock would encourage me to do. Um, George, I mean, you've been around. George, was it ER? Oh, yeah, yeah ER. Yeah, I think he was okay. still on ER when he made this show. That's when right. When he made this movie, I think, yeah. yeah. Dude, George, you were, like, doing the TV thing. You were heartthrob. I'm assuming there were some TV checks. George, you've been doing the movie thing. George, I feel like the ladies love you, and I feel like I, I feel like you're charismatic enough to let dudes dig you too. Like George, I'm cool with you. George, I'm gonna go three. Um, both of you low, both of you lowballing George Clooney. He's got five hundred million dollars. There you go. Okay, he's but got that. He's got 500. that. He's got that fancy Italian Italian villa on the water. 
Well, he's got his uh, Casamigos, his uh, tequila that oh, brand that he right. started. He sold it for like a billion dollars or something. So, wow. I mean, he didn't get all billion, right, of that, right. but still. So, yeah. So there you go. Good for um, you, George. Yeah, and you know what? It's good tequila. So um, you don't you don't have good. No, Danny Trejo. No, 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 uh, no, Chichmer? Chichmer, no I, I, I didn't. I mean, I, I could real quick if you really want to guess one of those two. No, I'm good. <laughs> who, who do we think's more paid of the two, Cheech or Chong? <laughs> oh, I think Cheech is. Yeah, sure. probably Cheech. Cheech has been a more. Well, although Tommy Chong does a lot of radio and he's got his own uh, dispensary like setup. The world may never. Do you think one of the two is like more well known than the other? Like when people think of the duo, do they think of one more than the other? Is it pretty equally split between the Cheech and the Chong? I would say Cheech is more well known, but that's just me. No, see, I think Tommy Chong is more known, like, as the weed advocate, but I think Cheech is more known as a comedian. So I think they're they're known for different things. So I guess it just depends on who you ask. I appreciate that. I appreciate the breakdown that inside. I appreciate that. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, director, we talked about a lot already, Robert Rodriguez. Yep. We talked about how this was, uh, well, the screenplay was by, was by Quentin Tarantino. Did you see who the story was by? No. It says, screenplay by Quentin Tarantino, story by Robert Kurtzman. Oh, yeah. Of Kurtzman and Ori fame? Uh, no, 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 no. This is a, this is a, oh, yeah, actually, maybe it is. Let me see. Because he's, he's, um, so in, so K and B effects, right? Yeah. K is Kurtzman, N is Nicotero, B is the other guy. Oh well, then no, that's probably not who this is. I saw it and immediately. I was like, I was like, ooh, Kurtzman and Ori. They wrote some good movies, but I don't think this is that guy actually. No. No. No, this no. is somebody different. No. No. Well, I didn't think you, so. You know what? I almost sold you on it, even though you knew you were right. <laughs> so, uh, and then music by Graham Revel. Revel. Graham Revel. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have anything on him. So he does a lot of he did he's done a lot of the movies actually that we've um, covered. Really? Yeah, he's done not a lot, but he's done several. Oh, okay. Um, I can pull it up if you really want me to. I mean, it's up to you. I didn't I look at right the background. Okay. Uh, like he's done. He did Hard Target, uh, Street Fighter, which we haven't covered. Um, From Dust Till Dawn is on here. Uh, the Crow City of Angels. Um, he did the siege, which we haven't covered yet, but we will I'm get like, some point. Just to clarify, you've listed like one movie besides he did this Spawn. one that we've covered. <laughs> okay, okay. Spawn. Uh, there's other ones too. <laughs> it's just, it was just funny that you were just listing a bunch of movies that we haven't covered. That right. did. But he's you done a lot. Like, he did Assault on Precinct 13, the remake, which we didn't cover, but we covered the original. Yeah, the original was one of my least favorite movies you've ever watched on this podcast. Really? Um, yeah. yeah he doesn't like that. I just I it's wasn't a weird movie. It. It's okay. a weird movie. I I liked okay. it, but I I think I appreciate it more than I like it. Okay. If that makes sense. It totally makes sense. That's fair. I appreciate your guys' insight. Um. So, uh, before we get into the plot, uh, as per usual, does anybody uh have anything else that they want to talk about when they want to bring out into the light before we kind of start going through what happens in this movie? Um. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Taglines. Tag I yeah. forgot. I, Sphinx isn't here, so I have taglines. Here we go. Uh, there's seven taglines. We have wow. a, ter- a terrifying evil has been unleashed, and five strangers are our only hope to stop it. 
which I don't think is true because I feel like there's more than five people kind of trying this out. But anyways, uh, cheap drinks, loud music, vampires. This will be one hell of a night. That one's not (laughs) terrible, but. No, this one's kind of funny. Vampires, period. No interviews. (laughs) Um, Then we got from Quentin Tarantino, from Robert Rodriguez, from Dust Till Dawn. That's not bad. Uh, That one's actually pretty solid. That's not bad. We got I, the, I agree. we got the showdown is on. Yeah. Yeah. Then we have one night is all that stands between them and freedom. It's going to be a hell of a night. And then how far can too far go? I don't I don't I don't get that one. But so I, I mean yeah that one wasn't great. But so a couple of them were okay. So sure. um, but anyways as I was saying before before I forgot about those anything there's one of the facts that I saw. I just want to get this out there now because it didn't make sense to me. And you know I love the ones on IMDb that don't make sense to me. It said, it said some of the body parts were from other films by Quentin Tarantino and yeah. Robert Rodriguez. Like, what, they just, like, kept body parts from the movies laying around? And then they're like, oh. Like, I just, I don't know. I didn't quite understand that. Uh, they probably just reused whatever, you know, because that same effects group has been doing all of their movies. So they probably just like, all right, this is the stuff that we have in our warehouse that you don't have to pay for. Cause you've already paid for it once, you know, let's just use that. Yeah. Well, that's fair. I mean, the movie only had a $15 million budget. So, and they spent most of it on practical effects. That, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, okay. So let's, uh, let's talk through this. Um, and again, this movie is, it's, it's, it's definitely, I think like the definition of like a slow burn, I guess, because yeah. it like, and it, I don't even know if it's like a slow burn. Cause I feel like it's kind of like, and this sounds bad and forgive me for things, but I feel like not a lot happens <laughs> overall for the first like hour of the movie, like stuff happens. Don't get me wrong, but like, not like nothing consequential. Yeah. Because like the first scene in the movie, we're in like a liquor store uh, and, and that uh, the gentleman, the, the Texas Ranger comes in um, and he's talking to uh, the, the Hawks guy who's like working the counter. And, they, you know, he's like, my first note says, man, is this cop on duty? He's drinking a lot. We're just like, you're like drinking a beer and having a drink and all this stuff. And so they're like talking about how there was a bank robbery and how some people got killed during it and all this stuff. Um, and then like he goes to use the bathroom, I guess. And that's when we that's when we find out that Quentin Tarantino and George Clooney are there in the store. They're the guys that robbed the bank and they like have hostages and they're trying to get like basically get this clerk to get the Texas Ranger out of there. Um, but then like uh, everything goes to hell because like the, the thing about like Quentin Tarantino's character in this movie, he's like un- mentally unstable, I guess, like a loose cannon. Like, I don't know how you guys would describe him. But like he like like even when the before he kills the cop, he's like saying he's like, oh, he was like the clerk. He was like uh, he was signaling to the cop and like all this yeah. stuff. He's just like he's just like completely out there. Right. Like, yeah, he just wants to kill everybody all the time. And while his brother is there, he's got to make excuses for him doing it. Yeah. Can, which can I share a thought? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, and maybe I could have shared this when Joe was kind of giving us that opportunity to share before we dug in. And these are other things that I could unpack as we get further into the synopsis, you know? Um, so once again, like in Reservoir Dogs, and so another Tarantino flick, and hopefully I can tune on, I didn't read it and get back to a point quickly. The diner scene at the opening, 
the way the gentlemen at the table interact with each other. I think, like, even discussing, like, tips, so to speak, because that's kind of the opening of Reservoir Dogs, right? right? Like, talking about, like, tip, do you tip, do you not tip? There's one person that kind of, like, out someone for, like, not tipping, things like that. There's somebody that's willing to stand up for one other person. I feel like there's things that happen in that scene that kind of, like, foreshadow things that happen later in the movie. And I think I kind of got, like, a similar vibe, like, here. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, like, right out the gate, you see, like, this, and it's, like, Seth. It's, like, George Clooney. He's the older brother. He's trying to, like, have things under control, right? He's trying to communicate with this person. You need to have your stuff together. Like, I don't want to hurt you, but I will if I have to. And then, like Joel pointed out, we have Quentin's character. We have Richie. Very, I like, I think mentally unstable is a good way to put I would say, like, troubled, something along those lines, you know? And I feel like it already makes me sympathize with George's character. It already makes me sympathize with Seth. Like, Seth, obviously, like, you're a career criminal. Obviously, you're pretty rough around the edges. But at the same time, I feel like you're trying to, like, run an operation. And at the same time, trying to control your brother, who's yeah. your little brother, you know? Um, so, yeah. Hope that wasn't too much of, like, a tangent. No, that but, makes like, a lot of sense. things like that, for me personally, I found myself, like, more, like, emotionally invested. But I can see for other people, it's like, well, nothing's happening yet, you know? But for me personally, things like that, the buildup, I, I personally appreciate it. Well, yeah, and, and this one, I mean, this does turn into a shootout. The clerk shoots Quentin Tarantino, shoots him through the hand, and he's got, like, that straight up, like, I, listen, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how, like, stuff works, but I don't think you would just get, like, a hole in your hand like that. Like, it'd be like, oh, I'm fine. Like, it's like he literally, like, looks through it, I think, and he's like, pretty much fine for the rest of the movie. Yeah, I guess um, it depends on how big the gun is. Yeah, I, I, guess I, think, I think that's that B-movie homage, right? That is. Yeah, like how ridiculous, like, violence and gore used to be. I feel like well, it's just them leaning oh, into totally. that again. And, and that's true because they, when they shoot the clerk, like, they, they light him on fire and he, like, falls into, like, the popcorn and the popcorn all starts, like, oh, yeah. popping and stuff. So what? um it's... Why oh, were they ahead. even there? I think they, like, stopped. They had to, just, they had to get the map. Yeah, because the Richie, map, oh, Richie was supposed right. to walk in and get the map, that's and he right, didn't. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And Seth is giving him a hard time. Like, can't you just go in and get the map for us? Yeah, and so so the whole place blows up, and they drive off, and that's when you reveal that they still have a hostage from the bank, like in the trunk. You get that shot where like they're driving, and they show you that yep. she's still like chilling in the trunk. Um, so they they stop at a hotel because their their plan is like they're on their way to Mexico. They're supposed to like they rob this bank. And they're going to go to El Rey and, like, basically retire there. They have to pay, like, a fee to a guy. Is it Carlos? Is that what his name yeah, is? Yeah, Carlos. 30% to Carlos. Right. Yep. Um, and so they're, they're – I don't – I mean, like, I don't understand. And I, other than the for the plot plot reasons, but why, why did they stop at the hotel? Why didn't they just keep driving? They didn't seem like they were that far away. Like, why didn't they just go and, and I think it's because Mexico? Carlos wasn't going to meet them until a specific time. Okay. And so they had to lay low for a night and then head over. Okay. Like, because if they crossed the border, they wouldn't have had any place to go. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Um, and so I like, I, I do like when he's kind of like, to AJ's point, when, uh, when George Clooney's kind of talking to the hostage about, you know, like, oh, do you want to live through this? And like giving her all the rules about like not talking and all this stuff. And I, I like when, <laughs> I like when he tells her that like, uh, like did not run. He's like, because I got six little friends and they can all run faster than you. And yep. He's got his like, he's got out that. That was kind of a uh, kind of interesting. So um, then, like, ugh, gosh, so so uh, he leaves, and then we're introduced to Harvey Cartel and his kids. They're like eating at a restaurant. They're going down to Mexico. They have it. They're traveling in an RV. 
Um, and like his backstory, if I'm remembering it correctly, is that he was a a pastor. Yep. Who kind of is like renounced or like renounces faith in a way because his wife was killed, and so he's kind of like not really believing in God anymore, kind of like turning his back on his, his yeah his like faith. his faith has lapsed, and he just can't uh, he doesn't believe the words that he's saying anymore, so it doesn't make sense for him to be a pastor. But why are they going to Mexico? Maybe I didn't catch that part. Are they going to Mexico? I thought they were going oh. someplace oh, else. Oh, okay. I thought they I were just know. camping and they were just taking the RV and going to like, you know, Arizona or wherever. Oh, I guess that could be. I, I guess I didn't pick up on that. So can, can I share another thought? Sure. Sure. I feel like this is another one of those situations and one like love diner scenes, right? Because we know like Pulp Fiction, iconic diner scene, Reservoir Dogs, iconic diner scene. So love a diner scene. But like with Harvey's character kind of unpacking that. And what happens later in the film, and I don't think it's like spoilers, we talked about like there's going to be vampires, right? Yeah. <laughs> Once again, I think it's like a nice like foreshadowing. Like he at this point is being very candid about his relationship with God, sure. how he views God, how he like views like ministry, you know? And also I think that's something that I don't think is really unpacked in film very much. And like Exorcist, for example, I think people don't realize that's part of it, right? That like the 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 doubts, you know, and like the apathy, you know, or like Martin Sarkozy's silence that's a different conversation. But um, I just feel like once again, it adds like more depth to it, you know? So it's not just like the guns blazing and stuff, or it's not just like the aspect with the vampires. So once again, I could see for some people, it's kind of, blah. it's like, why do we care about it? But for me personally, it's like, man, Harvey, like you're kind of opening up to your kids. You're trying to work through this stuff. Your wife died for me personally. Again, gets me emotionally invested, like personal experience with the character in the film. And I, and I don't, I mean, I guess I, I, I should clarify. I don't necessarily, I don't think that the, beginning of the movie is bad and i think you're right i think they do some good character work especially with harvey Keitel kind of setting him up for later in the movie i just i don't know i think the movie is and it, you know maybe it was designed this way i just think it's ill balanced like i think it's like it, it's not exactly a mashup because there's so much of the stuff at the front end of it and then like it almost seems rushed at the end you know like the pacing I'm, I'm surprised that it's not like a more of like a half and half movie yeah. like which I mean, it, it's close to being half and half, but nah, I don't know. Like that's well, I, that's my kind of surprise. In it, I that's think, one of know. the things I was reading is there is an additional like I don't know forty five minutes that they cut of the vampire stuff. Oh, really? That um, they had to because it was so gory they couldn't get it down to a rating that worked for them. Like there's a there's a whole gag in this where one of the women in the bar her stomach opens up and becomes a mouth and she eats a guy that way yeah i read that and yeah. that even quentin tarantino was disgusted by it and they couldn't they couldn't put it on film I, or they well, couldn't no, put it in the movie they, they filmed it i yeah. think they said if you had the dvd it's in like the deleted scenes or something you can see it so. yeah so there's a lot of stuff that oh, there's a lot of stuff on the back end that they probably went whole hog you know, yeah. considering they got they got Tom Savini there just as an actor, and then they have yeah. you know this fantastic special effects group, um, and that was the whole point of the movie was to showcase these guys. I guarantee there's a lot of this movie that is just not in it anymore because they couldn't put it in it. Well, and that's weird to me though. But like, if it's like we made this movie to showcase special effects, but like. It's... 60, 70% of it is not special effects at all. It's just like a movie, you know, like 
that's yeah. kind of weird to me, you know? Like, I get it, the special effects they use, and when they use them, I mean, it's crazy, but it's just, well, I don't know. And also, like this movie is only 108 minutes. Like, it's not yeah. a terribly long movie. No, and that's what I'm saying, is, like, it takes a long time. Right. They, they don't arrive to the... Okay, I'm just going to get out there. The bar's called the Titty Twister. So they don't get to the Titty Twister till an hour into the movie, and then they're there for probably another 50 minutes before we realize that there's... Well, Vampires. what I'm thinking yeah. is because they had to cut so much of the back end, they had to leave a lot more in the of the front end in yeah, to make that, up for it. I mean, that makes sense, like to get to the length. So if they that's cut what it feels like. Stuff, to me. Yeah, that I mean, that that could be they left everything in at the beginning because they had the, you know, that I mean, I think that's a good theory about as to why it feels so not balanced, at least to me, as far as, yeah. you know, that. But anyway, so. Um, uh, OK, so. We learned that, like, Quentin... Okay, so George Clooney was in jail, and he was in court for, like, some something in, like, a, a parole hearing, or I don't know what he was in court for, but then Quentin Tarantino showed up and broke him out of jail, and they killed some, like, guards, and they ran a lady over and stuff like that. Um, and then, I mean, I guess, again, to, like, AJ's point about kind of, like, the characterization and kind of getting the background, but, like... He gets back, and that's when we find out that, like, he, like, raped and killed the, like, hostage while he was out. And, yeah. like, like he get like, George Clooney gets, like, really mad. That's where he's, like, got him by the throat, and he's, like, yelling at him. And he's basically, like, but, but I mean, I guess you get that. Like, he, in, in some way, he's, like, disgusted by him. But he also, it's, like, he's his brother, so he, like, he doesn't know what to do, you know? Cause right. He's like, he's, like, he's, like, this isn't what we do. He's, like, you don't do this. And... But it is kind of weird, like their whole dynamic. And I guess you get it. It's like like a tortured thing because he knows basically like you can tell that he knows his brother's like a messed up, like not not right. But like it's also his brother. So he's like, well, I got to look out for him. So, yeah, and especially to be the younger brother at that, you know, yeah. and I feel yeah. like it makes me think of like, I'm, I don't know, I'm reaching, but like the Michael Alfredo thing, like the younger. Brother. No, I mean, he was older. So it's not a good comparison, but the brotherly love thing, you know, right, it's right. like your brother's off, but you still want to support them and be there for them. Yep. But like, how do you do that given the situation? And I think Joe like described it well, you know, it's like, like Seth, George, what are you going to do with that? You know? And also like the fact that like Richie like broke Seth out. So I don't know if there's something that he feels like indebted to him, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, obviously Richie like means well, and like he loves his brother, but he has these issues, you know, and they come out in that way. So yeah. It's it's tough. I think he also thinks that once they get to El Rey and they settle down, that he'll kind of normalize. I think like it's just like let's just get through this, let's get to El yeah. Rey, and then everything will be okay. I think it's that kind of blind faith and in, in retirement that uh, that's driving him too. So so anyway, so they end up like uh, taking Harvey Keitel and his family hostage. So they can uh, basically use them because everyone's looking for them. So they're like, we'll get in this motor home. You'll take us across the border. We'll go and we're going to hold you hostage until we meet up with our contact. Then we're going to let you go. They they make it into Mexico. That's where we get the first of Cheech Marin's appearance. Yep. Um, and so they're, uh, they make it into Mexico. And that's where they're supposed to meet up with this guy at the Titty Twister. So they go there. And this place is out of control i guess like it's like a biker trucker bar or whatever in mexico and like cheech Marin's second character is out front like just you know saying stuff a lot <laughs> i don't really want to say it but he says a particular thing a lot he talks about it a lot and it, you know you guys know what i'm talking about yes um and then they they go to go in 
And like uh, George Clooney. You know what the character's name is, by the way, right? I don't know. The character's name is Chet Pussy. Oh well, okay. Just that would up. explain. That would explain it. Um, and then like Quentin Tarantino, George Clooney beat him up on the way in. Yeah. I can't even remember why. They just like they like break his finger, like kick him and stuff like that. Like why did that happen again? I do like tried to st- stop know. George Clooney from going in or something. I don't remember exactly what it is. Um, so they go inside and it's just like. It's intense, right? Like there's people. There's it's not. It's a bar, but it's also a strip club. I don't know. I could. I had a hard time pinning that down because it's a bar, but also there was like naked ladies dancing all over the place. People are dancing on tables. They say it's for bikers and truckers only. Um, and like he gets, he's getting to. A, he almost gets into a thing with uh, Danny Trejo, who's like the bartender. Yep. But then because he's like, well, it's only truckers. You got to get out of here. But that's when like. Um, Harvey Cattell Harvey Cattell is like, well, actually, I drive the motorhome out there, and you got to have a class two license. So I, you know, we had so they he lets them stay. Uh, they get a bottle of tequila. They, you know, they're they're drinking it. They're doing shots, um, and uh, <laughs> that's where we're introduced to uh, Tom Savini's character, uh, Sex Machine, who uses it, who, who's very proficient with a whip, which I heard was a nod to Simon Belmont. Did you? It did is, you read yeah, that? and that Tom Savini is actually proficient with a whip. Yeah, and we also see that he has that crotch gun. Uh huh. <laughs> which, by the way, they say like makes an appearance in Desperado. Like yeah. you can see it. it's like in his guitar case full of weapons. You can see like the crotch gun in there. Um, so we're. Touch. So we're introduced to him. Uh, we're introduced to Frost, who's Fred Williamson's Fred character? Williamson, yeah. Fred Williamson. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, they do a bunch of tequila shots. Then, like, the, the main attraction comes out, and it's Selma Hayek, and she does, like, a dance. And we get that really gross thing where she, like, takes the bottle of tequila. It's gross to me, not to everybody, but, like, pours it down her leg, and, like, Quentin Tarantino's got her foot in his mouth and, like, drinking the tequila. Do you, do you think he purposely writes foot scenes into his movies I, I he's got to like it's got to be his thing right oh yeah i think it's widely known that he's like into feet like he features yeah. feet like in his movies and stuff like a lot so mm. it's so weird yeah oh. I, I, absolutely well and like even in this film beforehand when like it's like richie and like I can't as a Kate Juliet Lewis. Yeah, yeah, there. he's staring yeah. at her feet, and he's like, yeah, and those shots of the feet, you know, and stuff like that. And like you're saying, like the scene in the bar, some hag, so much of the feet being in play with, and like the beverage flowing down the feet. And I would agree with Joe. I think it is pretty like widely known and accepted, and like, well, accepted might not be the right word. <laughs> why, 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 people can feel how they feel. You know, I'm not here for judgment. Yeah. You know. But widely known, and I feel you could go to any of his flicks, you know, especially like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Margot Robbie's in the theater, the feet are up, you know. Yeah. Um, Glorious Bastards, and like Christopher Wallace is like trying to shoe. Christoph Wallace is trying to shoe. The foot's in there. So, yeah, I think, yeah, right. I, I think we, it's known. We, just we, are, we are not here to kink shame on the last action podcast. No, no, no. You know what? You know what? I am. Feet people are weird. <laughs> I, I, I apologize if I came across that way. I apologize. No, no, not you. No, it's just cool. LPJ. It's cool. I'll, LPJ. I'll do it. Feet are weird. Feet people are weird. <laughs> hey, whatever's your thing. Anyways. But, but Quentin's uh, into it. Yeah, yeah, he is for sure. Um, so, so like, that's when, like, Cheech Marin shows back up and Danny Trejo and they get in a fight with them and they, like, shoot them and you're like, oh, they're dead. But then, like, guess what? They're not dead because everybody that works at the bar is a vampire and they lock everybody in. And then we just get, like, this huge, gory mess of just 
vampires killing people and Selma Hayek kills uh, Quentin Tarantino, like bites into his neck. Yep. And like, um, here's, here's where I have that question I want to ask you. Guys. I'm curious about this. Yeah, go ahead. So the band, Robert yep. Rudiger's band, they're playing, you know, they're the band they're playing. And then everyone becomes vampires and he's playing a guitar made of a dead body yeah that's <laughs> where, weird right where, where did it come from he just has it in his hands all of a sudden like it's like as soon as it was he like oh we're all becoming vampires so i gotta switch to my dead body guitar because he's not playing that at the beginning of the scene just like when all hell breaks loose they cut to him and he's like it's like a dead body and i'm just i was so confused i mean like i get it it's just for like the look i guess but it was just so random to me i'm like when did he get that dead body guitar out yeah, it's very strange. It is. I guarantee you, it's one of those things they just kind of like. Hey, we can make you a guitar out of a dead body, and he's like, "Okay." <laughs> and they're like, "Well, we made it. We better put it in." Um, yeah, and kind of like the, like the B movie thing once again. Yeah, like the, totally. The, uh, the over the topness, the absurdity of everything. But but like Joe said, I also had in my notes like, "What's going on with this guitar?" So <laughs> I'm, I'm with Joe on that one. I was also caught by surprise and confused. Oh, here you know, here we're gonna start a new game right now. It's called "How much would you pay for that prop?" Uh, so in an auction, how much would you pay for the dead body guitar prop? I I, I wouldn't pay anything. I don't want the dead let's say, body. No, guitar. let's say let's say money's no object for you, right? How much would you be willing to pay for it? I would. I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't pay anything, even if I was the richest man in the world. I don't want the dead body guitar. Now, however, if you're talking about that crotch gun, that would be a fun prop to have. Yeah, and I would pay. I would pay top dollar for that. I, I, I would. I would also. I would. I would pay several thousand dollars for that crotch gun. Plus, like, what are you gonna do with that? Like body guitar it's so big <laughs> like just like prop it up against the wall hey there's my body guitar guys and i feel like i have like follow-up questions when lpj said like money's not a money's not an issue to you lpj ordered it is like what's like the significant other situation like do you have a wife do you have kids and then like what's the house situation like is the house big enough where you could have a room kind of like in the conjuring films they have like the room with all the weird like demonic like haunted stuff you know they hide it away do you have like a weird prop room in this fictional scenario where money's not an issue, you know, yeah, those were like follow-up questions that came to my mind when LPJ asked the question and some money's not an issue. I don't know. I, I suppose I didn't really think that hard about it. Um, <laughs> I suppose, it's totally cool. It's I totally suppose cool. I'm, I'm, I'm just riffing right now. You've got, you've got, okay, here it is. You've got, you've got a, a guitar. You've got, I'm sorry. You've got a garage that nobody okay. goes in except for you. Oh, a okay. man cave. A man do, cave. Do, do I have a wife? Um, if you do, she'll never see the guitar. Do we have kids? I don't know. Do you want to have kids? We've gone off on a, You know, let's say, let's say yes. Let's say you've got two kids, you've got a dog, and a chinchilla. Yeah, I'm okay. If it was just me, single dude, money's not an issue. I can do whatever I want. I'm probably picking up that prop because money's not an issue. But like if I had a family, I can't do it. Yeah, that's fair. I can, you know, I could buy that logic. That's fair. That's okay. fair. I wouldn't want, wouldn't want my kids playing with a dead body guitar anyway. Okay. I, t- I couldn't look in my wife's eyes and be like, "Hey, you know what I did with this money? I couldn't do it." That's you know what? Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> All okay. right, moving on. 
Circling back to the plot, uh, so vampires are getting killed. <laughs> Cheech, Cheech Marin, I think, swallows Juliet Lewis's cross, and he blows up, and it's really gross. Um, Fred Williamson is like body slamming strippers onto an like a table that's flipped over. He's like body slamming them onto the legs, and yeah, like, you know what? Killing them after it's gonna take some time to do that. After the first stripper sees that happen, why did the other ones just run? They thought they could take them. <laughs> Uh, Tom Savini, he kills Danny Trejo with the whip that we talked about. He like wraps around his like head and just like pulls his whole head off. Yep. Um, I think Fred Williamson like punches a uh, vampire's heart out at one part in the movie. Yeah, yeah and then they stab with the, the pencil. The, the, the bigger vampire. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, the heart gets stabbed. Yeah, yeah. I I just have a note here that says this movie's really gross. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then like <laughs> here's another my other confusing question about the band. Did they blow themselves up? Because I feel like they're just like, you've been a great audience. And then they're like. <laughs> I think so. I think they blew themselves up. I was so confused by that. Um, so Quentin Tarantino comes back as a vampire. And it's kind of confusing at first because like at first I'm like, oh, is George Clooney like not going to let them kill him at all? But then he's like, no, he's like, I have to be the one to kill him. So he kills he kills vampire Quentin Tarantino. Um, all the dead people that were killed start coming back as vampires, which – I have a huge problem with this movie about the the rate of change of vampires because yeah. some people are like instantly vampires, some people are a little bit of time. Harvey Keitel is like seemingly an hour or two before he turns into a vampire. It's it's not consistent. Which I get it; it's for the effect of the movie, but like, well, that like, and, and like had Harvey Keitel not said like, yeah, I've probably got an hour or two before I change. Like, how does he come up with that time? Like, how does he know? You've just seen somebody change instantly. You know, yeah. Well, even Fred Williamson, when he gets bit here in a minute, he changes like instantaneously. It seems. Yeah, and Tom Savini uh, takes a little bit of time. Yeah, because Tom Savini gets bit during all this, and he doesn't tell him. Um, so it, he ends up. Um, uh, he turns into a vampire. He bites Fred Williamson. Fred Williamson is telling some really long, like soliloquy. Uh, thank you about yeah. like when he was in Nam and all these people he killed in Nam and all this stuff. And George Clooney and Harvey Keitel have a fight about how he basically he's like you got to get your faith back because we you're you know we, that's you if you're a, a preacher or pastor you can help us fight basically these creatures from hell you know like um, so so Sex Machine turns into a vampire um, he bites he, he bites Harvey Keitel right like that's how Harvey Keitel gets yeah, bit by yeah. Sex Machine um, and and he bites Fred Williamson and then like <laughs> I guess. Frost throws them through the window, and like that's where because the the side thing to all this is they killed all the vampires inside, but there was a bunch outside trying to get, trying to get in. So he throws them through the window, and like all the bats come in, um, and they swarm in, and that's where I have a note that said like, man, Frost turned really fast because he's all he's a vampire. Um, Harvey Keitel, like they run off into the back room, but like Harvey Keitel is still alive and he's still human at the moment. He makes that like. I don't know if it's like a table leg, but he finds like a shotgun and he's got like the, the yeah, shotgun it's a table leg, the table, yeah. and he's like using it as a cross and like shooting them and stuff. That's pretty cool. Um, so then we get, okay. So they're in the back room and they decide they're like, look, they're like, I'm going to change soon. We got it. We're going to have to try and kill all these vampires. So they're like, well, what do we have back there? And it's like, it's like an AT montage. Of them yes. like go, Cause they're like, Oh, well, we, there's all the stuff from the truckers, like in their trucks that they killed. And so they're going through all these boxes, like finding stuff. And like George Clooney finds like a, um, wh- it's a pneumatic it's, camera. It's a, it's like a pneumatic trail. 
it's like a pneumatic hammer, and he, he like makes a stake and puts that in there. So it's like, da, 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 which I'm like, wouldn't just using a stake in your hand be more effective? And also, that? what's powering that pneumatic hammer? <laughs> I don't know. Um, they also, uh, some for some reason, in one of the boxes, Juliet Lewis finds like an automatic crossbow that seemingly has never-ending amount of arrows. Yep. Uh, they Harvey Keitel blesses blesses a lot of holy water, so they have like squirt guns and full of holy water and just like condoms full of holy water. Um, and then they go out. So they go out and they start killing all the vampires. Um, and then like the weirdest thing, they cut off sex machine, Tom Savini's head. And then he turns into like a dog rat looking. giant. Yeah. It was stuff. weird. Like it's, there's no explanation. They cut his head off. And then he like other, other than like, I guess to show off special effects because he turns into, they say like, I read in something they refer to as like a dog, but I thought it looked like a rat, like a big rat. Yeah. Um, it was like a weird combination. And then like he gets shot or something and he blows up too. Like I don't, it's random. Like some of the vampires blow up and some just melt. And like, it's very inconsistent about like the vampire deaths. Um, and I don't remember uh, – oh, this is funny. This is one of those situations where I have a note and I don't remember why because I have a note that said, why did Frost die so weird? But I don't remember how he dies. So I guess it must have been weird oh, to me. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember well, what Because there's, there's a while that our boy Harvey like has like the shotgun like through oh. Frost's body. Oh, that's right. And he's yeah. like using his body to like cock the shotgun. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. right. Yeah. I don't know if that part of it would have played into why you thought it was a little bit peculiar, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, I think that has something to do with it. Yeah, so um, so Harvey Harvey Keitel becomes a vampire now, and he he bites his son Scott, who we haven't really talked about a lot in this movie, but he's kind of inconsequential. Uh, to be honest with you, he doesn't really do anything. Right. So he but he bites Scott, and then Scott kills him like he told him he would, and then like the vampires for some reason, even though like Scott's already bit, they grab him and they're all feeding on him. And then, like, Juliet Lewis shoots, and then they all blow up. I don't know. It gets it gets confusing to me when the oh, vampires Oh, I think he was, carrying, he was carrying a bunch of that holy water. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So then, like, the sun comes up, um, and, you know, because like, they're, like, and they start, like, shooting holes in there. So, like, the vampires start, like, uh, kind of, like, the sun's blowing them up and stuff. And then that's when Cheech Marin in his last role shows up. He's playing Carlos. Yep. Uh, and he lets them out, and they all run out, and the whole place blows up. Um, and like Seth gives Juliet Lewis some money from the, th- from the bank robbery and she kind of wants to go with him and he's like, nah, that's not going to work. You can't come to El Rey. Um, and then like he drives off, follows Cheech Marin to, uh, El Rey. Uh, she takes the motor home, presumably back to the United States. And that's when we zoom out and we see the back of the titty twister. There's like all this, just like tons and tons of like 18 wheelers and stuff trash. And it's like a big aztec yeah like, it's a big temple. aztec temple yeah yeah like and that's that's the end right yeah it seems like a weird end to me i don't know why like, <laughs> they just drive away well again i think it just i think at the ending of it just and like you said we discussed why it just feels rushed like the whole end of it is like it just seems very like you know like it's, it's like happens you know and it's i don't know it, it feels rushed to me like not that I'm saying the movie doesn't work as a whole, but like I don't know, it, it, it just balance issues, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, any um, role reversals you want to talk about? I know there are some, so that's why I'm prompting you for this. Yeah, there are a few. Let me pull up real quick. I, I do want to say this. Uh, at, at one point, this movie was banned in Ireland. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Because it was uh, grotesque and gratuitous. Um, oh, I could see that. All right. So before George Clooney was cast, there were lots of actors that were considered <laughs> for the role. And um, only one of them flat out declined. The rest passed because of scheduling conflicts. So Antonio Banderas for George Clooney's role. Uh, Steve Buscemi. Uh, Michael Madsen. Tim Roth, John Travolta, Christopher Walken, which would have been crazy, Jeff Goldblum, also crazy, James Woods, Robert De Niro, all passed on the George Clooney role. First of all, I don't think any one of those actors is only going to take $250,000 to be in this film. Well, they might do it for Quentin Tarantino, though. A lot of those are Quentin Tarantino, like, buddies and, you know, like... And Robert Rodriguez buddies like Antonio Banderas, like I, I think they might have done it as a favor or whatever to them, you know. And maybe maybe they would have paid someone else more. They probably got George Clooney on the cheap because this is before he was huge, you know. That's like, true. And he specifically wanted to do this movie to kind of get away from that uh, that um, I mean, vibe I think that someone, he's putting out. I think some of those people could have worked in the in the role, you know. I don't. I like George Clooney in this movie, but I don't think it's one of those things where it's like it's so iconic that I can't imagine anybody else in that role, you know. That's I, true. I, guess the, I think I he guess does that, really. He does really well in it, though. I like. I like him in this. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a weird thing because, like, I mean, ultimately, he's not a good dude. Like, he's a bad dude, you yeah. know. Like, but we're kind of forced to like be happy that he doesn't get killed at the end you know it's like he's, he's not he's, it's very confusing because it's like i get it it's like well he's a bad dude but he, like he has like a moral code or whatever you know but i mean like still like it's hard to be like i i still don't necessarily like rooting for him because yes i get that quinn tarantino is his brother but he's still like oh it basically responsible he's responsible for everything that quinn tarantino does by like you know i don't know it, it's weird but yeah anyway sorry that's Neither here nor there. I do like him in the role, but I, I, I just don't I, – I could picture – you know, I could see, like, a Michael Madsen or Tim Roth or something. Isn't the, the – the, am I remembering something wrong, like, in the, the Quentin Tarantino verse? Like, it's Gecko or something? No, never mind. That's not – like, Michael Madsen's character in, in one of the movies is, like, brother – oh, it's John Travolta and uh, – Yeah, the, they, they were going to be the Vega brothers. Yeah. yeah, that's it, the Vega brothers. That's what I was thinking of. Never mind. Okay, anyway, sorry, LPJ. I went off on a tangent. No, that's it. Just... That's really all I had. The only I, other one I, I, I had. I enjoyed it, though, man. I, I like your tangent, Joe. I appreciate <laughs> it. It was, yeah. it was a good rant. Um, the only one, other one I had was, like, Robert Rodriguez lied to Selma Hayek and told her that uh, uh, Madonna was going to take the role. Uh, yeah, so that she, she would, because she's afraid of snakes. Yeah, because she's terrified of snakes. Um, I did see that for a while uh, Tarantino was going to direct it himself. Yeah, but then ultimately decided that he wanted to focus more on like the screenplay and the role. So that's why they they ended up getting someone else to do it. So. Yeah, and 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 Tony Scott was approached for this uh, to do it. He turned it down, as well as uh, Rennie Harlan. Oh, Rennie Harlan. Yeah. Do, do we have enough? Do we have enough time to work with that I could? share some more thoughts about George sure. and ask another question about George's character. In this. Absolutely. Okay. So I think, um, once again, I really enjoyed Joe's, um, so to speak, like tangent. I thought it was very um, coherent and insightful. So Joe, thank you for sharing. Thank and you. maybe to build off that a little bit, like with, um, with George's character, like with Seth, I feel like it's kind of like an abrupt shift. Like once they get past the border. And so I'm like rewinding this a little bit. 
once they all get past the border and he like looks out the rear view like window of the like the rv that they're in he seems very excited and like he's like very like there's like some camaraderie you know and like even though obviously they kind of have a weird relationship with this family that they kind of like abducted and are holding hostage he says like he wants them to like be cool i think he says something like they're in their cool book they are in his cool book you know yeah so i feel kind of like yeah like there's kind of like a shift there but then also like they're like in the bar and like he's still upset about the person that like laid hands on him earlier and he's saying that like he wants to like empty the bottle and like smash it on their head you know so yeah i think just like joe was kind of saying like Seth's character it's like i kind of want to root for you man but also as messed up as richie is quentin's character is you have like your own things that you're working through too you know um so yeah just to kind of like what joe said i feel that it's hard for me to get a read on how to feel about seth how to feel about george so those are my thoughts and then just try and present a question are there other roles that george has had where it's like has some tats like career criminal and i for this i would say like don't count the oceans movies i feel like that's different yeah um, criminal in this sense you know not, and then I, dropping like hard f-bombs do we see like george clooney in other roles like this or is this like a one-off thing for him i mean he's a, being, like a bad boy maybe uh, i mean i know he's a criminal in uh out of sight which out of sight is a good movie by the way i haven't seen it in a while but out of sight's a good movie but i don't think to the extent that he is really in this movie kind of like you know like not like like you said like not danny ocean who's kind of like ah, you know he's a, or, or even i think his character in out of sight is more like not like a violent type criminal just more like a schemer sort of thing he so. doesn't play a lot of villains it, it's really he's not really a a villain actor but again like you said this was probably like while he was making er and he probably was like yeah i want to do this to show like a completely opposite like of what i normally do you know, I'm, you know, so it was probably just to be like, hey, I have range and I can do things. So, yeah, I um, think that's really what it was, because, yeah, because I'm looking at a list of movies that he's done. And, um, yeah, he really hasn't he, he doesn't play a lot of villains in general. And of the villains he plays, they're more cerebral. They're more um, they're more, you know, like thieves or swindlers than they are straight up hard criminals. Mm-hmm. so yeah i think this is definitely this feels like a one-off but at the same time it feels like a calculated one-off because he was doing er and was looking to try and get out of doing er so do you do you guys know what the uh body count for this movie is i i i think it was 114 uh, cool. 122 122 okay so <laughs> I, the other the other thing I thought was funny, and this is the last thing I really have to say, uh, was like another one of those weird facts on Internet Movie Database where it was like, it was like Richie doesn't have many lines before he's turned into a vampire. Uh, Quentin Tarantino realized this and found it odd that the character was so quiet. Like you wrote the script, yeah. <laughs> you should know you should know how many lines a character has. Like I, just the way that that trivia fact is written is like oh man i don't this guy doesn't have any lights like you wrote the script like you, you didn't like and they said it was he said too late to rewrite it it's like was it like i anyways i just thought that was a random kind of also there's a funny thing i don't want to go through the whole thing because it's like a paragraph but if you go on internet movie database and look in the trivia there's a whole thing about like talking about whether the crotch gun like whether the kickback on it if you had a crotch like a gun down there whether it would actually like 
hurt your groin or something and Tom Savini <laughs> was like a big explanation as to like why you could actually have a gun like that like fire your crotch and it you could fire it. I it's 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 a long it's like a paragraph but look it up if you're interested so I, I don't know uh, that I'm interested <laughs> I gave you the cliff notes I appreciate um, it anything else anyone wants to talk about before we get into the ratings on this no I say we let's uh you want to rate this let's, thing let's AJ you got any, any final thoughts are you good uh, like, I mean, I think the final thoughts would just be like, I appreciate you guys having me on, you know, and listen to my rambling and me trying to work through thoughts. So, uh, I can probably do that afterwards though. Like, yeah. We'll do that in the plugs. Probably... You can plug yeah, us yeah, in the yeah, plugs. Yeah. We, we can plug that and I can <laughs> just guess you guys about how much I appreciate you. Then. I appreciate that. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's write this thing. All right. Well, as our guest, AJ, you get to either go first or make one of us go first. Mm, I still like when you guys go first because okay. you guys are the experts. You know, you guys are like the action movie dudes. I feel like you guys gotta you guys gotta lay that foundation for me. I think you're giving me giving us way too much credit. Um, I'll go first if you want. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, I like this movie, um, but there's a lot of things in this movie I don't like. Like, I really don't like Quentin Tarantino's character in this. Uh, for whatever reason, he just irritates me to no end. Um, and I don't like the pacing of the movie in compare of the first half compared to the second half, just because, like, it, it really does feel like two different movies. Um, and I don't think they mesh well together. Um, but it is a slow burn it ramps up at the end and like, it's really good at the end. So I, I like all that stuff. It is very gory. It is very silly. It feels like a, a classic, you know, B movie um, at the end. And at the beginning, it feels like, you know, a Tarantino movie. So it, it's, it's such a weird dichotomy that it has here, but overall I do enjoy the movie. I do think people should see it because it's absolutely worth seeing. Uh, I'm going to give this, I'm going to go three machine guns on this one. Um, I'll go next. Uh, I, I'm pretty close to your opinion on it, LPJ. Like, I, I think it's a good movie. Um, I, I do think, like you said, I, I don't, the, the pacing is off and I don't think like, it's definitely two different movies and I don't, I don't know how well they mesh together. Like I, I, it just didn't work completely for me. Like the ending is great. And it's, you know, like you said, evil dead style gore and just off the wild. Like, I feel like the problem is I feel like that opening scene, is like a very like grindhouse B movie type thing where the guy's in the popcorn. And then the last half hour or, or 40 minutes very much is so, so much like a grindhouse B movie. But then in the middle, it becomes more, it, it, I don't know. I, it didn't a hundred percent work for me. Not to say that the other stuff is bad. I don't know. It just didn't completely work for me, but it is a lot of fun at the end. The special effects, the practical effects are great. And it's, you know, a gory, you know, all that stuff's great. The kills are funny. So, but I, I'm going to go two and a half machine guns on it. AJ? Man, so, so I'm up now. <laughs> I think, um, I think like hearing throughout like us recording how you guys felt about things, you know, and now hearing your ratings, I think it would make sense that I would be higher on it than you guys, you know, because I think early on I was talking about like kind of like the slow burn stuff, that character building stuff, you know, in the beginning. And maybe I get that from kind of being like kind of like a Tarantino, like apologist or Mark, you know. I think that's what I enjoy about his films, you know, is like the people from the other side of the tracks, you know. So whether we have in like Pulp Fiction, then like they're like assassins, you know. And even you have like 
the honey bunny and like they're like they're robbers you know like reservoir dogs once again career criminals those people from the other side of the tracks but seeing that other side of them and like him like trying to like show that depth you know I, uh, I appreciate it. And once again, like diner scenes, love a diner scene. So to try and get to like a rating, try to get to a point, you know, I personally find this to be what I would call a really good movie. Um, like when I rate things on Letterboxd, for me, like four and a half stars would be like great. And then three and a half stars would be like good. I would put this at like four stars or in this case, like four machine guns look really good. And I think it is just probably because of, like, my affection for, like, Robert's stuff and Quentin's stuff. And I feel like I'm getting, like, both of that flavor, you know, like, I'm getting both of their stuff in the same film, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it comes back to, for some reason, for me, I think I mentioned it earlier, I feel like they probably had a good time. You know, I feel like they probably had fun. You know, like, Quentin gets to hang out with his boy Harvey. <laughs> Obviously, like, Robert's there, you know, and once they get into the bar... I'm sure shooting those scenes, like Joe pointed out, is very disgusting and very gross. But like Tom Savini's there, that's probably what he lives for, you know, and kind of what he like built a career off of, you know. I think that's part of it for me too. And once again, I think the last time we recorded, I talked about the idea like movie magic, so to speak. Maybe there's something there for me. Maybe if it's like there's like a Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, a Tom Savini, a Harvey Keitel, they're all hanging out, they're all having fun, they're all living their dream, making this movie together. There might be some like fan bias for me there that I'm happy for them to have that experience with each other. So all that being said, try to wrap it up. I'm going to go for machine guns on this one. I'm surprisingly high on this one, in my personal opinion. Thank you for hey. listening to my TED Talk. Hey, you know what? <laughs> I don't think you're surprisingly high at all. I think that's right on the money for the way you I, – I, Ra- I think it's good. Ra- ratings are all you know personal opinion, and I, I get your perspective on it for yep. sure. I think to me like – I like Quentin Tarantino and I like Robert Rodriguez. I think I just don't like the mashup kind of movie. Like, you know, I think that's, but other than that, um, yeah. Uh, I think, I think we, I think we nailed this one. Yeah. I'm okay with it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, um, check us out on games Uh, check us out anywhere where podcasts are available. Um, we are the last action podcast. We come to you every Monday. And, uh, and if you go to gamezillamedia.com, head down the bottom of the page, you can uh, click on Discord and join our Discord uh, channel and chat with us all you want. You can send, that's where you can send Joe his feedbacks. Um, so make sure you get those maybe, in. I was hoping maybe you forgot that. No, don't, I, I, please, please, nobody send me feedback. Just please don't. Like DM him. Like right to his, right to his DM and no, inbox. No, especially don't do that. Yeah, he likes them covered in things too. So like mud or dirt or slime he, he's really into that stuff um yeah so enjoy that uh aj anything you want to plug i mean we know that i'm um i guess my plug would be like i would encourage anybody listening that enjoys like films enjoys movies enjoys flicks however you want to call it cinema if you don't use Letterboxd, I would say, like, maybe check out Letterboxd, you know? I just think it's, like, a super cool app. It lets you log everything you watch. You can follow people. They're going to rate things. So, like, if you, like, resonate with somebody's, like, taste, somebody's ratings, see how they rated something. It could give you an indicator how you might feel about it. And also, like, you could rate things for yourself. 
um, actors and actresses, it'll show you what percent of their stuff and like directors, writers, it'll show you the percent of their projects that you've seen. I guess that'll be my plug, you know, is I just think Letterbox is a cool app. If you do want to follow me, sci-fi AJ, I'm on Letterbox, you know, and um, like Joe, I appreciate you, man. LPJ, I appreciate you, man. I know Sphinx isn't here. I appreciate Sphinx too. And I think it's just the thing for me, you know, like to be um, with like healthy people, safe people, like good people, you know, to be with like some good dudes and get to talk about movies. It's a, it's a blessing and a gift and something I don't take for granted. So I just appreciate you guys reaching out and give me the call up and appreciate you guys taking this hour and a half or whatever it's been time out of your life. <laughs> talk about movies with me. It means a lot. I appreciate you guys. So thank you. Absolutely. Okay. When, when Joe's like, listening. thank thank you guys for listening too. appreciate you guys. Yeah, absolutely. When, when, when Joe said, Hey, let's do from dust till dawn. I immediately thought, Oh, this is, this is an AJ movie. Like this is the perfect AJ movie. <laughs> so I, I, right after he suggested, I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to go ahead and message AJ and see if he wants to be on. <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you could be on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I always, it. I always like when you're on. I feel like you bring a little bit of class to our uh, uh, ramshackle operation here that we usually have. So it's it's always nice to have it on and have you on and get the you know kind of a different perspective and just you know your thoughts are always interesting. So uh, look forward to whatever the next movie. But we finally got to cover a movie that like you like and didn't force you to watch something that was just like <laughs> was complete garbage. garbage so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, um, I don't know where I was going with that. I started a sentence with with no ending in point in mind, uh, and I'm not going to edit that out either. Not that I ever do any editing. Yeah, when have you ever edited anything in this podcast? Never. Okay. Never. All right. Well, and, this and it's better that way, right? It's it's more it's more real. It's more authentic. Yeah, you know what? No one, people seem to keep tuning in. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's just like the listeners are here with us, just talking about movies with us. That's all good. Yeah. Why change the format like 160 episodes in? Yeah, no, at this point. We're setting, you get what you get. Yeah, we're, we're setting our ways at this point. Uh, well, speaking of setting our setting, we're setting our ways, uh, I'll be into that. <laughs> I just foghorn <laughs> leghorned that. Please excuse me. Uh, the, 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 the. Let's try that again. Okay. This episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>